0: Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
2: John McClain joins us. He is, of course, brought to you by HornSolutions.net. He is our senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com, and he is also GallerySports.com. John, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? We're good. We're good. So, John... um, I know I just said Andrew Brandt, former agent and former front office executive for the Packers, says no way that game gets made up, Bengals and Bills. It's just going to be viewed as a no contest by the league. What are your thoughts on that?
1: And that could be, and that would work to the Bills' advantage because Kansas City beats the uh, Raiders, then they would end up uh, with home-field advantage, as it is now the Bills' Would have a chance. And, you know, ordinarily you do anything to get home field advantage. I think one of the things Roger Goodell will do before making decision, he'll talk to the Bagulas, the owners of the Bills. They'll talk to uh, McDermott, being the coach and GM, to see what they think about it. Do they want to play that extra game? I think the Bengals would kind of be along for the ride. And uh, it just depends. Do you want to have the same number of Games for everybody and make it fair as possible. But, uh, I think that, uh, you guys are right. That was a big game Monday night is the biggest game of the year. The best one on Monday night football. And you knew the audience was going to be humongous. And, you know, they, they'll, of course, they won't say that has anything to do with the decision, but you guys just covered everything about how highly rated it would be. And no offense to Cincinnati. Everybody be pulling for Buffalo. You know, as it is right now, I think there's going to be a lot of Bills fans when you, when your team is eliminated from the playoffs. Your fans automatically pull for the Bills because of what's happened. And not to mention, the fact, they lost those four, four in a row in the early 90s. And someone who has been to Buffalo a long time and said, you know what this is all about. Fans are great. You know, who doesn't like Buffalo, uh, the team, except the teams in the AFC East, it wouldn't bother me at all to see him get on field advantage or go through the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. I think that'd be very fitting.
3: Yeah, I guess um, there's not there's not really much precedent in the modern NFL for how to deal with a situation quite like this, is there?
1: I don't think so. I'd have to go back. I, uh, they made some moves after 9-11, and um, – and I know they had to take out the bye week. There was other times they eliminated the bye week, and a lot of coaches and players liked it because they want to keep playing. And originally, they had that bye week to hype the Super Bowl. Now, of course, they don't need to hype the Super Bowl. But it's definitely unprecedented situation where you have a player in this situation that captivated the country the way he has, and. um, I'll guarantee you, Goodell's talking to some of his confidants among the owners, like Robert Kraft, to see what they think. Talk to the owners of the teams, the family, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But I'm with you guys. They don't do. I, I can't imagine they can announce we play the game and move the playoffs back if the game means something because that's what the Bills want to do, but. If the game means nothing, then it just won't be played. But I don't. There's no reason by say Friday, they can't have a plan and make it public.
2: John McLean joining us for his weekly visit. John, what did you just? What did you think of just the overall handling of the entire Hamlin situation on on um, Monday from the from the time he from the time he collapsed to the time the league was announcing an hour plus later that the game was going to be suspended.
1: I thought ESPN did a tremendous job. You had reporters thrust into that situation. Um, Richard Dodge, the athletic, interviewed uh, Booker McFarlane after he got back home to Tampa, and he said that he was in a green room reading, and they said, get back to the set immediately to he and Susie Colbert and Adam Schefter. And as they were going, they told him what happened, and he's thinking, what am I going to say? And I thought he did a good job. You know, they've not been prepared for that situation. They're reporters, and I thought they did a wonderful job. I thought they did a, jo- a good job by not showing what was happening on the field. He was he was getting CPR and his and his heart shocked back into rhythm. And and then when they went to Scott Van Pelt, you know, he's as good as he gets in a studio show and bringing on Ryan Clark. I, I just thought overall. Under the circumstances, nobody could have done better,
3: John. the closest situation I ever had to something similar to this that I can recall was in the Hall of Fame game in two thousand and two when Lamont Evans, the safety for the Texans um, collided with a player and went limp on the field and motionless and He ended up having a spinal injury and it was uh it was just a very very scary intense moment but I was on the sideline, um, which is a whole different experience. What was, it, what was it like for you guys in the press box during all of that? And then the, the fallout from it is like, how do you, you cover the game after it resumes and, and afterwards?
1: Well, I, I've forgotten all about that, Seth, and, and you're right. And when you're, when you are in the media, you want to get as much information as you can to get the information out because your listeners and your readers and your viewers are captivated. They want to know as much as they can. And of course, the information is usually trickles out. It doesn't pour out because they have to do to have some decisive, um, quotes before they're going to give them, you know, people are trying to get every morsel. I've seen so many things on social media where reporters say, well, this person said this. And I'm going to say, yeah, they said that yesterday because, you know, they're desperate for information. You know, and the first thing you want to know is what happened to him. Is he okay? You know, will he be able to play again? I've seen two players that that got hit and had spinal injuries and had to retire. You know, the worst thing I've seen was Gary Kubiak. You know, Dr. James Muntz and others saved his life on the sideline. And and you you don't know what's happened. You see somebody go down, and you still got to cover the game and do your job. But you also have to try to stay on top of it and not, I think the media has done a tremendous job, says, because they wanted information as well. They're waiting for press box announcements from the league or to see what Joe Buck or Troy Aikman say on TV. And I thought it was very interesting when Joe Buck said, the league says they got five minutes to warm up and they're going to play. And NFL got killed. And afterward, in the news conference with, uh, Troy Vincent, Don Aponte, and Jeff Miller from the NFL. And Troy Vincent, who was the point man with Goodell, said, no, that was never an issue. Don't know where it came from. Well, Joe Buck told uh, Andrew Marsan, best TV rep- radio reporter in the country for the New York Post that their officials expert John Perry had gotten that from somebody at the league office. And I don't know if I would have relayed something like that without getting it, you know, knowing it came straight from Goodell and the league. But uh, the league sure got hammered on that, and the league said that was not the case. But at least Buck said where it came from.
2: That makes sense. Okay, that's the first I've heard of that, John. That makes sense Uh, because Seth and I were very careful to say it was Joe Buck relaying that. It wasn't like they went down to some league official who said that, that makes perfect sense that it would be John Perry. This is where it turns into a game of telephone. You probably had some suit in New York reading the rule book for stoppages, and the rule book says you have five minutes to get ready. He tells John Perry. John Perry tells Joe Buck, and Joe Buck says it, and it's it's chapter and verse gospel all of a sudden.
1: Absolutely, yeah. and the NFL got hammered on it for a couple of days, even though Troy Vincent explained the entire procedure, and i Went down and said, I don't know where that came from. Well, now they do. And, uh, but you hope this never happens again. Well, the winner. But if had, it happens. Yeah. It, if it happens again, everybody will have a better idea about how to handle the situation.
2: The winner and all that were the two head coaches because the way it looked on TV was Joe Buck says that they have five minutes to get ready for a game. Zach Taylor walks over to Sean McDermott. And the two head coaches huddle and remove their teams from the field. And the way it looked, because we all thought that the teams had been told they have five minutes to get ready, the way it looked was like Zach Taylor stepped in and said, "Not on my watch." We're getting these guys off of the. You know, it made it look like Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott stepped in and defied the league on this whole thing, which it turns out
1: yeah, is not the case. Not and the also, case. Yeah. they're not going to do something like that based on something that's said on TV. You know, they're, they want they're on the uh, Katie Blackburn from the Bengals, whose dad is Mike Brown. She runs the team. She was seen outside the locker room on the phone constantly next to McDermott and Taylor. And then I'm not sure who was there with the Bills, but they were in constant communication with the league office about what to do. So, I, uh, you know, I, and it's so funny. You know, sometimes when things are out there, everybody takes it as gospel. But then it got out, they did do that. The coaches took him off the field and defied the NFL. Good for the coaches, and turned out it wasn't true.
2: Yeah. Um, John McClain joining us for his weekly visit, brought to you by HornSolutions.net. Uh, John, I have to imagine that that the Texans pretty much have their mind made up as to what they're going to do after the season is over with the coaching staff because I can't imagine that a Week 18 game against one of the other really bad teams in football
1: should sway them one way or the other. No, I think Nick Casario knows what he's going to do, and I think he's going to make a change, and I think he's got a list. You know, he interviewed coaches last year, uh, several, like Jonathan Gannon of Philadelphia, Joe Lombardi of the Chargers. Yeah, he's not going to hire Hines Ward. He's not going to hire Brian Flores, and then I'm sure he'll add other coaches in there. Usually when you go from a defensive coordinator, you hire an offensive coordinator. So I have no idea – what they'll do when it comes to hiring the next coach, and if they don't, if they say we're sticking with Lovey, but we're going to make major changes on the coaching staff, uh, that could be. But I think we talked about this before. If you say you you fire Pep Hamilton, who's done a terrible job, now I will say this: they and Seth, you said this great. Yes, they they have inadequate personnel, but they've been they have better personnel. Then it showed they trail the Colts in every single major statistic as bad as the Colts are, and um, and so I think it's going to be real hard to me to get an offensive coordinator to come in here to call the plays and a quarterback coach to coach a player taken at the top of the draft, whether it's first or second, knowing that Lovey could be fired next year. You know, you you want to come in with a coach that's on long term contract now maybe they'll say you know what we'll extend lovey to show our confidence in him and that would maybe help in bringing in coordinators from outside the organization but I don't think that's going to happen
3: yeah it's um I, I have, and I'm thinking about the teams that made improbable turnarounds this year because I, I think sometimes whenever I see people write about it they talk about 2024 is the the first time you could conceivably make a turnaround and I've just seen too many times where teams like, well, I mean, the Lions and the Jaguars who are, you know, still in the hunt, Jacksonville very much so, for the playoffs this year. Which, which of those – like what, what about Jacksonville, other than Trevor Lawrence, is there – that perhaps the Texans could or could not emulate and, and make well, that kind of turnaround?
1: Well, and you didn't mention the Giants. The Giants have a new coach and a new GM. And they turned around the organization. And I think this is interesting, and I have no idea why. Brian Dable Brian worked with Nick Casario two different times for years with New England. And uh, they had the same agent, Bob Lamont, and Casario never interviewed him. Don't know why. Maybe he wanted to, and Dable said, no, I don't want to go there. I'm coming. We're a package deal, which very well could have been the case with Joe Schoen as uh, GM who both left Buffalo. So with the Jaguars, of course, they picked number one two years in a row. I hate to think the Texans are going to be picking number one again next year, but it all started with Trevor Lawrence. And then this year with Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke, Trent Baalke as their GM got a lot of criticism. Everybody said he had to go, but some of the moves they've made, like getting two free agent receivers and a tight end, has worked out great for Trevor Lawrence. So they made a lot of good moves with a new head coach and Doug Peterson.
2: John, what did you see out of the two quarterbacks that are going to be probably in the the apple of the eye of Texan fans at least? Um, was there Bryce Young won the Heisman Trophy last year, and I feel like we've probably seen more Bryce Young. But what did specifically Young and C.J. Stroud? What are you seeing out of the two of them as we head into this three month evaluation phase?
1: I've watched watched every game that they played that was on TV, and most of them were. And Bryce Young's performance against Kansas State was the way he's been playing for two years. C.J. Stroud was fantastic against the best team in the country, and he's been blessed with great receivers. Now, Marvin Harrison, Jr., next year is going to be the best player in the country. Yeah, He got hurt, and Stroud continued to excel. And I think what happened watching – The George Ohio State game, a lot of Texans fans who watched it may have gone, Whoa, 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 pump the brakes a little bit on Bryce Young. Maybe we need to wait and see how this scouting process all plays out. And I can't wait to be at the combine when Bryce Young is measured Mm. for the first time. Weight's not as important. You know, they list him at six foot, 195, and they say he's closer to 5'10. But it's amazing the way. This, but at the combine, it's all about size and arm strength. And then when you succeed, it's about decisions and a lot of accuracy and all that. He's got, he's got as good as anybody. And if he steps up there and he's 5'11 and he's eating like crazy and close to 200, people are going to go, even though that seems like a, such a small thing. And I'll say this, they just better have a coach who has proven he can coach a guy who's smaller. who will slide to the right and left a lot. He'll watch that tape and see what he did best. And he play, he throws from the pocket quite a bit. And he's got huge offensive linemen. I saw somebody listed their size on social media, and he th- was able to throw over in between them. And they're just as big as an NFL offensive line. Plus, he's done it against the best competition in the NFL, the biggest stadiums. I'm I'm hoping for Bryce Young. Uh,
2: you yeah, know, I think and I think we are too. Do you think David Malageta being C.J. Stroud's agent factors into the evaluation at all
1: for the Texans? You wouldn't th- think it would because he is going to want to get his player the best possible deal. Every agent wants his player to be first overall. That agent's going to get a lot of attention and a lot will be written if they do take Stroud about Mulligetta getting that no-trade clause. Pretty sure he won't get a no-trade clause. And uh, I I can't say that it would for Casario, and I don't see the McNair family, since they don't make them do stuff, saying don't take him because Mulligetta is his agent.
2: John McClain joins us for his weekly visit. Uh, John, what do you got going on on your various platforms?
1: I just sent in some Texas observations about the game and the first pick and how – the Colts have, have the only stat in which the Colts are way behind the Texans is turnover differential. Their league worst, minus 13. Texans are only minus one, which is amazing for a team that has <laughs> wow. the worst record in the league. And so, uh, Texans could win this game. They don't have to play Jonathan Taylor. And then I'm putting my, uh, postseason awards on my column on Gallery Sports. All right, good guys, deal. thank you very much. Happy New Year to both of them.
2: Happy New Year to you, John. I'll talk to you in about four hours when we record Utopia.